Hi, and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. My name's Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently a board-certified behavior analyst working at a private center. The whole goal of this podcast is to help you with balance. So you'll have some episodes helping you at work and other episodes helping you outside of work. I hope you guys are excited to dive into today's episode. Let's get started. Behavior. Why is there such little training for teachers when it's a major part of most self-contained teachers' jobs? In fact, many teachers are expected to write functional behavior plans and behavior intervention plans with little support. I had to do this as a teacher and I had no idea how unrealistic it was until I left the field. I'm now a board certified behavior analyst and I still don't know everything I need to know. I'm asking my supervisors for support and I have a degree and over 2000 hours of experience in the field at this point. My heart goes out to all teachers who feel like they have no idea what to do because if you have intensive behavior problems in your classroom, it's going to dictate everything else in your classroom. Behavior is such an expansive topic. It cannot be covered in a simple 10 to 15 minute podcast, but this is meant to serve as a jumping point. I'm going to try and make it as concise and easy to follow as possible, and I hope it helps if this feels very overwhelming to you. So first, one thing to keep in mind is that we all engage in behavior. Everything you do, from picking up a book, to read or turning on the TV, to tucking your hair behind your ear or scratching a bug bite is behavior. Not all behavior is quote bad, end quote. When you have a behavior that you want to change, you need to ask yourself, why are you trying to change it? Is it for the student's benefit or is it for your benefit or the benefit of somebody else? If the behavior is prohibiting the student from being able to access their environment or putting them in danger, then it is appropriate to intervene. If it's just that the behavior is annoying to adults, that's not student serving and it's not appropriate. And I definitely had this pop up. That's why I'm putting it in here. I remember being a self-contained teacher and having people say like, oh, that noise he's making is so annoying. Can you do something about it? No, I cannot. And I, I didn't have the courage to say that then, but it's really, really important that we make sure when we're intervening on behavior, it's only because the child needs it because when you make an intervention plan and it's not student serving, it's not gonna work. So that's why it's so important that it's all student centered. So once we know that a behavior is a behavior that we do need to intervene on, so again, it's either prohibiting them from accessing their environment or they're in danger, what do we do next? When we look at behavior, we have to remember that all behavior serves a function. So students don't demonstrate whatever the target behavior is for no reason. It might be hard to see the reason, but it doesn't happen for no reason. If you can't determine the function of the behavior, you won't be able to intervene because whatever you put in place has to match whatever they were doing that behavior for. If that doesn't make sense, I'll explain it a little bit later. But first, there are four functions of behavior attention, escape, access to tangibles, and sensory. A common acronym used is SEAT. So what this means is that all behavior are serving one function, usually one of those four functions. So maybe they're trying to gain attention from their peers or adults in the room. That's the attention one. E, maybe they're trying to escape or avoid a setting. Maybe T, they're trying to gain access to a tangible or the behavior is rooted in a sensory need, that's the S. You might be thinking, 
I already know why the student is doing the behavior. Tell me what to do instead. I really wanna emphasize this. You need to figure out the function of the behavior. I totally fell into the trap of thinking, I know why he's doing that. In fact, I would get so annoyed when someone in a meeting would tell me to like, go figure out the function of the behavior. I was with the child for seven hours a day, five days a week for nine months. You think I don't know why he's doing the behavior? It was actually a really conceited viewpoint because I didn't know and I kept creating plans that weren't effective. So let's look at why we would need to determine the actual function of the behavior. We're gonna use a fake but very realistic scenario. So let's say you have a student who demonstrates undesirable behaviors whenever he comes to write his workshop. So he's breaking a pencil, he's ripping paper. On the surface, you go, oh, writing is a difficult task because writing is a difficult task for a lot of the students in our classrooms. You say, oh, it's a difficult task and he's engaging in avoidance behavior. You're on it, right? So you dive in, you've got your offering choices, you've got adaptive technology, you're bringing the occupational therapist in to get support, you're layering all these different interventions on top. When that student demonstrates a target behavior, you run right over there with your toolbox of things to help him. But what if the behavior was not rooted in task avoidance? What if it was actually attention seeking? If it is attention seeking, and every time the student demonstrated that behavior, you were by his side giving him a lot of attention, he just learned that is such an effective way to get my teacher's undivided attention. You're accidentally reinforcing the behavior. If you're thinking, whoops, right now, don't worry. I've been there too many times. Let's talk about what we can do next. So if you've never figured out functions of behavior before, I got you. The easiest way I have found is to do an ABC data sheet. So ABC stands for antecedent behavior consequence. To clarify, consequence is not negative. Consequence is just whatever occurs after the behavior, if that's confusing. Here's a real life example. I have a dog named Buster. Every day, when I get my lunchbox, my bag, my keys, he walks over to his street jar right by the door and he sits next to it to tell me, hey mom, I want a treat. The antecedent to his behavior is me getting all of my stuff together. The behavior is him walking over to the treat jar. The consequence is whatever I do next. If I pat him on the head and I say, no treat today, but you're such a good boy, that is a consequence. If I open up the treat jar and I feed him a treat, that also is a consequence. Whatever you do after the behavior is the consequence. And so we might find that our consequences are maintaining or increasing the behavior. So I'm gonna tell you, every time my dog walks to his treat jar, he gets a treat. I am maintaining that behavior with my consequence. Every time he walks to the treat jar, he gets one. So you wanna take that and apply it to your classroom and see if perhaps the way you're responding is making the behavior happen more. The ABC data sheet can help you see all of the consequences and then you can start to see if there's any pattern like, wow, every time this particular consequence happens, the behavior happens more. If ABC data sheets seem daunting, don't worry. I've got a great freebie for you. I have actually an entire blog post and podcast all about ABC data sheets. It walks through every component of an ABC data sheet and how to use it and there's a free data sheet that goes along with it. I'll link all of that in the show notes for you. So we know we need to determine function of behavior, but what is the difference between those four functions that I mentioned earlier? So let's look at some of the possible functions and what it might look like. 
It's still important to take ABC data, but this will help you know what to look for when you're analyzing the data. So if we see that the student is yelling, blurting out, saying extreme things, and it appears like they're trying to get a reaction from their peers, or if we see a student elope, but they kind of look over their shoulder to see if anybody is running after them, the function of that behavior is probably attention because they're trying to get the attention of the adults or peers around them. Now, if the student is running and they don't stop running, or they're throwing items, they're ripping up worksheets, they're crying and screaming during a lesson, you can probably guess that it's more escape or avoidance of that situation. Now, if a student is trying to gain access to an item and as soon as they get the item in their hands, the behavior stops, it was probably to access a tangible, something they can physically hold. And if the student is vocal to drown out loud noises, rocks as a way to self-soothe, or flaps their hands in self-stimulatory behavior, the function of the behavior might be sensory seeking. But a very, very important thing to note with this one, there is absolutely nothing wrong with sensory seeking behavior. You should never stop a behavior just because the student is flapping their arms or rocking. You only intervene if you absolutely need to. So for example, if a student is making a lot of noise and it's to counterbalance noise in the environment, that's not okay to intervene. That's really not our right to go into the world and change that behavior. However, if they are hitting their head against the wall to try and counterbalance environmental stimuli, that is putting themselves in danger and it is appropriate to intervene. I hope that makes sense. When you go through the data, if you notice every time a staff member speaks to the student and the behavior increases, and then every time a staff uses planned ignoring, the behavior decreases, you can probably assume it's attention maintained. Some other examples are if every time, again, they get access to the toy, they stop the behavior, it was probably maintained by access to tangible. If every time they rip up the paper, they don't have to do the work anymore, it's probably maintained by escape or avoidance behavior. So once you have the function determined, you can start working through the process of an FBA and moving to a BIP if necessary. So once you determine the function, what do you do? Antecedent-based interventions are great tools when it's time to come up with an alternative to the behavior. So that's what I was talking about earlier. So an ABI works proactively to help the student before the target behavior occurs. So just please note before we go into this, ABIs need to be tailored and customized to the specific needs of your student. This next section is not a cut and paste solution. It's just to help you determine some possible ABIs that can be used. So if the behavior is to escape or avoid, try including adjusting the difficulty of the task, offering choice, modifying instructional delivery, and increasing predictability. If you're like, what? Hold on. In other words, you might try and decrease the number of problems that need to be completed. Allow the student that select between two different tasks to complete. Use visual supports to pair with instruction. Provide visual cues ahead of time to indicate an upcoming change in the schedule. If the behavior is attention-seeking, you might try using scheduled attention, close proximity, or a DRO, which is a differential reinforcement procedure of other behavior. In other words, you might have a structure plan to give the student attention. You might change your seating arrangement so the student can be closer to you, or you might heavily reinforce any behavior that is not attention-seeking as a way to encourage the acceptable behavior. So that's an example of where your function 
and the replacement behavior need to match. If the student is trying to get your attention and you just completely eliminate any opportunity for them to get your attention, it's not gonna work. So that's why you want the replacement behavior with that schedule then attention in place so they're still able to access attention from you just in a way that's more productive. So you always wanna make sure the replacement behavior still gets them what they were trying to get with that initial target behavior. I hope that makes sense. But let's keep going through our list. If the behavior is to gain access to a tangible, you might want to increase accessibility, use a token board or a transition item. So in other words, you might allow the student more access to that preferred item. Like if they're always trying to get in your rolly teacher chair, maybe that's something they can actually earn and have scheduled time on. Uh, maybe you want to set up a way for the student to access the preferred items. So that's a token board or a checklist of things they need to get done to gain access. Or use the preferred item between highly non-preferred activities. So if they really don't like math and they really don't like reading, can this be something you do in the meantime to help them transition from one task to the other? And the last one, if the behavior is to gain sensory reinforcement, you might want to enrich your environment or provide an alternative. So you might want to see how you can shift your classroom layout and decor to be more satisfying to sensory seekers, or you might want to find a more appropriate way for students to gain that same sensory input. Work closely with your occupational therapist with this to make sure you're making the best choices for your students. I hope this podcast helped you feel just a little bit more confident in determining functions of behavior. I'll link a couple of more posts that might help in the show notes of this podcast. And like I said, I am a board certified behavior analyst. Although I cannot give student specific advice if I've never met the student, I am always willing to chat about anything behavior related. Come see me over on Instagram. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you guys found something useful and you can always come visit me on Instagram at Adaptation Station for more content all about work and life. I hope you guys join me for the next episode and have a good one.